welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and this week I'm joined by just one awesome co-host slash bro-host. Shane, how are you doing? I'm awesome. Agreed. And this week we're doing a little bit of a sort of abridged or mini episode because this week we've had some uh, situations arise that has meant that uh, you know, we haven't been able to operate on our normal schedule. But a game came out very recently here that we wanted to talk a little bit about, um, and uh, that is Erica, which was a surprise release on the PlayStation 4. Uh, it came out during Gamescom, uh, so if you know for the Americans in the audience who aren't familiar, Gamescom, and I mean, hey, that's me, and I only barely know this stuff. G- uh, Gamescom is the biggest game convention uh, or sort of event uh, that happens yearly in Europe. Uh, think PAX, but bigger. And um, so a lot of the game companies like to have big releases or announcements at Gamescom, and one of the ones that Sony announced uh, was that, oh, hey, and we're announcing and also releasing a game today, and it was Erica. It's a FMV game, uh, which is a thing that we are, that it seemed to be having a bit of a moment. I mean, see last week's episode with Telling Lies, which we all really liked. Yes, awesome game. And uh, this is a different kind of FMV game. Uh, first of all, of course, it's on consoles, um, or specifically one console. This is a PS4 exclusive. Um, but uh, it's a bit of a different kind of thing. So it, I thought it would be interesting to talk about it as a bit of a contrast piece to Telling Lies, which we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, so last week we, we covered Telling Lies, which is this, um, well, I can kind of consider the new breed of FMV game. And I can't remember who said this on Twitter, uh, but I thought it was really funny. Calling these games FMV games really kind of calls out this thing that used to be really high tech, you know, and used to really set these games apart. The fact that they had full motion video. Mm-hmm. Um, and and today, is it impressive to be able to show video inside of your video game i <laughs> no longer think so i mean essentially uh, I mean, every game since the playstation has had that right like it it's entirely bog stock standard and so saying fmv game it now feels a little more just like it, it doesn't just mean your game has full motion video mm-hmm. captured with a real camera what it means is your game has only <laughs> full motion video captured with a real camera it's kind yeah. of a different different meaning than it had back then. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of has this this meaning of a film game. And for our listeners who kind of maybe haven't played a lot of these games because A, there's not a lot of them, and B, they mostly suck, so they're mostly very avoidable. The history of them, I, I kind of most people, if you are aware of some of them, are aware of maybe Night Trap, which is god-awful, and it is a game in which you watch sorority girls be killed by vampires and press a button in order to stop vampires. I think some yeah. of the vampires are ninjas. I could be wrong about that. And then there's games like, you know, we actually, my only game that I ever actually had in this genre was on the Sega Saturn, uh, which would was the, the game Double Switch, which famously uh, was incredibly praised uh, by Electronic Gaming Monthly, who gave it a 6 out of 10 and said, it's like <laughs> Night Trap, but a little more involving. I mean, I'll give it a little more credit than that, Shane. It, it, it had, uh, it starred Debbie Harry and I, I think it's um, Corey Haim. Like, it, it had a cast, right? Like, of, of like, people who are interesting. Debbie Harry being in your FMV game was kind of a get back then. Yes, Corey Haim and Debbie Harry and... Um, Nobody else whose name I know. Um, but I mean, casting is important in this kind of game. I mean, get, casting is is now getting to be really important in a lot of video games where you have... Keanu's here. Oh, Keanu's Ooh. here. and Or uh, or the... Uh, what's this? Death Stranding where basically uh, they're, they want every character to be uh, a one-for-one pixel-perfect recreation of the actor and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff, right? So, so that this kind of thing is getting to be important to games of course um but it is kind of, it was kind of weird uh back then you would never have cared who I, I certainly in in the days when double switch came out in like when was that 90s 94 i think 93 94 um sounds right i, I would never have cared uh about who the voice was in my video game or or anything like that i don't think even in 93 94 i knew who debbie harry or Corey Haim were so uh, maybe <laughs> 
I don't maybe think I did people, either. maybe the people who bought the game for me knew who those people were. I don't know. Uh, I, I love Debbie Harry now. Not not so. Uh, I, I have no strong feelings one way or the other. I about think Corey. Hay. I think seeing Debbie Harry on the box uh, might be the only explanation for somebody picking up this game. I still have no idea how this came into our possession. I assume some well-meaning adult in our lives went into a video game store and was like, "My boys have a Sega Saturn. What's a good game for them?" Oh well, this one's got Corey Haim. Oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it is Corey Haim, <laughs> international star of stage and screen. Um, so yeah, that was a genre and then it sort of disappeared. And then in the modern era, they, the FMV game has been kind of making a comeback. And the, the thing is that almost kind of bothers me and now we're doing it. So I, I understand where this comes from, but like, if you look up a review for Erica, for telling lies, for her story, for literally any game that makes heavy use of FMV that comes out today, all of them have at the very least a subtitle that says something along the lines of FMV games. They're back and now they're good. Um, and I mean, first of all, I kind of take issue with that in uh, in some cases. Um, not all of them are good, but uh, some of them. But like the fact that they are back, they've been coming back. They've been back for at least five years now. Right. So it, it feels like the, the shine is off of that rose. It, it's a, it's a little bit less is that surprising. A, is that a phrase? The shine is no. off of that rose. You don't shine your, I, I don't, I screwed it up probably, but I don't care. So the something is off of something else. And it's not, it, it, the, the fact that a game comes out that is an FMV game doesn't necessarily make me interested. What made me interested enough to pick up and play Erica isn't that it has live actors and filmed scenes. Um, it's, you know, I mean, well, this is the short game. It's the fact that games that are made in this style are almost by necessity going to be short. People don't tend to make 40 hour FMV games. Um, because that would be a monstrous undertaking that, I mean, just not, it's not happening. So, you know, I, my ears perked up basically because I knew this would be a, a, you know, a short manageable game, um, and, uh, would have a sort of a sit down for a movie like experience. So that this, this game, Erica definitely accomplishes that probably a lot more, I'd say than telling lies. It feels like I'm going to sit down in front of my television and use my phone to control it, which is a, a thing. Yeah, that, that was a I surprise was a- to me. Actually, that was kind of an, I had two big annoyances getting started in this game. Uh, the first was that after downloading and installing it, which was, I believe, 40 gigabytes. Yep. Uh, took a very That's long time. HD video, guys. You got it. Um, my PS4 would not launch it, and then I had to delete it and reinstall it in order to get it running. I'm sure that is just idiosyncratic to my PS4, but uh, it was annoying. Uh, and then and then I had, uh, upon launching it, I had no warning ahead of time that I was going to have to use my phone to control it. Uh, and, of course, at that moment, my phone decided uh, to crap out on me. So um, I had several things throw up annoying barriers to entry for this game. Th- those of you who are out there, uh, make sure you do some of that due diligence of installing the companion app and uh, cl- making sure you download this game well in advance uh it's big uh i i have no idea how uh a a game that plays for you can play for about five hours and be done with it um i think it's less i I think this is probably like a three hour experience i i I didn't actually time it so i'm not 100 percent sure about that but real short but justifies the storage space being larger than destiny 2 which is otherwise my my other largest game on my ps4 so yeah be aware so we haven't even actually really talked too much yet about what the game actually is. So maybe we should take a second and do that. Um, Erica is, I mean, we mentioned it's an FMV game, obviously, but the way that it plays out is very similar to Telltale games. Um, you are, except of course, that rather than walking around or what have you, you're making choices in uh, in the real-time FMV. So some of those are quick-time events and some of those are narrative choices, all of which have a sort of a timer on them in a very Telltale games kind of way. Um, and, uh, the description, and I will, uh, I will say right here that if you want to go into this game completely unspoiled, um, that the description I actually would recommend that if you're into it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're into it, the steam or sorry, the, the description on the store page on the PS4, 
uh, has what I would regard as a spoiler in the first sentence, even like within the first like 10 words. Um, so, which I'm about to talk about right now. So, um, if you are not interested in that, uh, we're going to try to keep this as spoiler free as possible, but maybe go ahead and skip forward about 30 seconds right now. Um, so the, the game, the, the store describes it, the, the PS4 store describes it with enter a dangerous and shadowy world of murder and cultists. That's the spoiler I was referring to, which I'm surprised that they put right on the box. Um, in this pioneering interactive thriller exclusive to PS4 that asks you to reach into the game world and take control of the narrative. So um, what it's talking about there is that uh, that essentially, in terms of how this game feels, at least for me, it felt sort of like sitting down to watch uh, an episode of a British thriller that I wasn't familiar with. Um, And at various points throughout the episode of this British thriller, uh, you know, TV thriller. It does not quite, I think, rise to the level of film-like experience. It feels very much like a uh, like a prestige television show to me. Um, that's probably a, just a the way that I perceived it. But anyway, um, at various points during this prestige television show, uh, you're going to be asked to do things like, and it's quite often, about every 30 seconds or so throughout the course of the game, you're going to need to do something interactive. And Yeah, uh, this is something where Sony seems to have a... Um, a real love of the idea of connecting your phone to your game console to use it as a controller. There's this entire idea of Sony PlayLink. Have you played right. any of the PlayLink games, Reagan? Um, I tried one of them a while ago, and not deeply. And I don't even it, it slid right off of my brain. I don't remember. Yeah. Anything so there's about quite it. a few of them. There's things like um, Knowledge is Power is one I know of. It's like a quiz game. Uh, there's a Sing Star. Um, there's quite a few of these at this point. Um, and uh, basically, the idea with these games is um, most of them are party games where the people in your party are going to pull their phones out and each one presumably download the PlayLink app and connect it to the PlayStation 4 and then, um, you know, snap a photo of their face, swipe the screen, uh, do different stuff, basically. Um, sing into their phone using your smartphone as a microphone, for example. And, uh, you know, it's, it seems like a smart thing to do considering that, like, probably the biggest barrier to, like, mass market approachability for the PlayStation 4 is the fact that there is a, a pretty significant number of people out there who aren't comfortable with the kind of game controller that the PlayStation 4 comes with by default, you know. But everybody has a phone and everybody's comfortable with touchscreens. Um, you know, it, it, it's it seems like a smart idea. Yes. However, um, like the kind of people that aren't comfortable using a controller certainly aren't going to have a PS4. And so these kinds of games are always going to be relegated. I think you might be wrong. Like they might not be the primary owner of a PS4, but they're going to, it's very likely that they might have a PS4 in their household. Yeah, I suppose you might be right. But I mean, it's, it is always going to kind of be going to be relegated to a um, kind of secondary experience. It's not the reason that people are going to be getting a PS4. And it's also, I don't really think going to be increasing people's comfortability with using a PS4. um, Just assuming because it's, they're not going to be using the primary way of interacting with that PS4. So, you know, I, I, I get, I get the idea. I just, I just don't, see it really taking off. I haven't ever really seen. Well, it's been around now for quite a while. And so, you know, you're you've been basically I mean, I don't know how well those things sell with any actual accuracy, but like, I think you're basically right. Like, I don't think they've been lighting the world on fire. Um, And the the games of that sort that I think do do pretty well are are things that are multi-platform, like the Jackbox games, where, you know, it doesn't matter that there's some special Sony technology for this. Um, you just log into a web page on your phone. Yeah, and also works fine. That that's another thing that the barrier to entry. Surely today, the barrier to entry of downloading and installing an app is not that high. Like m- most people are doing it. However, they are trying to hit for these things. You know, a really broad audience. People are still kind of resistant to downloading and and using one time use applications. You know, like. Um, if you're over at a friend's house and you want to play music on their stereo, but you have to download an app to do it, are you really going to do it? Or are you going to say, just give me your phone. I'll try and find the song, you know? So, um, 
and I think this kind of play link thing has the same kind of challenges. I kind of was annoyed when I realized I was supposed to download an app in order to play this game. Well, you actually can play this entirely with a DualShock 4, and I played through it uh, both ways. Uh, not, I didn't. I, I played through this game basically one and a half times. Like, um, and so I, I played a pretty significant amount of this game with the DualShock 4 as well, and I found it actually fine. Uh, I've seen some reviews where folks were complaining about this on DualShock 4s. Um, I think it is probably more designed around the experience of using the app. And I thought the app was fine. You know, I, it didn't bother me that I needed to download and install it. It connected really easily. I didn't need to create an account or any BS like that. Um, and uh, once it was connected, it worked pretty much the way you expect. And I thought it worked great. Um, the Using the touchpad on the PS4 controller um, was a pretty similar experience. This is really designed for you to be looking at the screen and you're using the touchpad for gestures that feel really natural. And I didn't find that like I needed to like look at my phone, for example. And so because of that, having the like just trackpad like touchpad on the on the gamepad also works just fine for this game. So, you know, either way that you go, I think it's fine. Um, it's more just the, the, the types of interactions that you're having with this there's sort of breakdown into two two sort of categories. One would be that there are sort of moment to moment interactions that I think are just there to try to involve you in the story on a minute to minute basis. Things like uh, Erica, the title character, is walking through a door and needs to unlock it. And suddenly there's a very tight close up of the lock and you need to do a little gesture on your touchpad or phone in order to unlock the lock. Um, and then there's the other type of interaction, which is uh, things like quick time choices. events or decisions, choices. Yeah, and most of those choices are uh, sometimes they're simple, like yes, no choices or about dialogue. Um, but sometimes there's as many as six or even eight options for you to choose from, particularly towards the end of the game when the co- choices become more consequential. Um, and uh, they're presented by kind of giving you these sort of floating word clouds uh, on screen for you to choose from. And there's a sort of a subtle uh, timer element of them where there's a sort of... It, it's subtle, but they look like they're sort of dissolving. Uh, so you need to choose them before they fully dissolve. Yeah. Yeah. There's always the option to not make a choice. And then for the most part, uh, the title character, Erica, does nothing, uh, which in itself is, you know, it's an interaction to just sit there yeah. and stand there and do nothing. Yeah. And um, so all of these types of interactions, like if you've played a Telltale game, Sense of the Walking Dead, it's going to be really familiar. You know, uh, Lee could always just stand there and say nothing. And sometimes people would say, wow, that Lee, he's a psychopath. He doesn't say a word. Um, and that's pretty much how this plays out too. Um, and uh, so, yeah, not a lot of surprises from the gameplay's perspective here. So what this game has going for it is it is beautifully shot. It looks really, really nice most of the time. Um, they've done some really interesting stuff with the lighting. If you look at the poster or the store page, you'll see this like really dramatically sort of, um, you know, day glow outrun style lighting on a very beautiful actress's face. And that's the kind of vibe that they're going for with a lot of the uh, of the visuals in the game. Um, so I think we that- can talk a lot more about these kind of interactions before we hit the spoiler break, because I have a lot to complain about there. Um, okay, yeah, let's do. Go ahead. The, the the biggest issue that I have with this game is that in, 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 in what the actual gameplay, how the actual gameplay works, this takes a veer away from almost every other FMV game which I've played, which were, are either choice-based narrative-style stuff um, her story style, uh, investigative stuff, or um, hit the switch at the right time, yeah, uh, dragon double switch, uh, dragon lair type of dragon lair kind of things. Mm-hmm. This really is doing its best to present you with kind of a lightweight version of adventure game style gameplay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which means that a huge amount of the actual gameplay in this game has to do with um opening drawers and doors and finding keys and uh you know looking in you know looking at pictures and identifying numbers and uh walk doing a lot of wandering around and uh and stuff like that right so first off we're we're already kind of combining two genres uh that feel kind of at cross purposes because the, one of the great things about an FMV game is um, this kind of real, living, 
story that just sort of plays on and and you know if you you either hit the button to drop the guy in the trap or you don't you know it, it, it's it's live action and uh, and built on top of that like something that always stuck with me from when I talked to Sam Barlow years ago about uh, about her story was uh, he said well you know I've got the the best eye uh, shaders and the best skin textures and everything that you could possibly have when you've got a, a live actor. And that's really something like the visually um, FMV games have this massive leg up in terms of realism because there's nothing real. realer than real. Um, you know, when Jamie came in and wanted, you know, we were, Jamie and I uh, played through this largely together, um, which is a good way to play these sorts of games. You know, it gives you kind of a, a somebody to bounce thoughts off of as you're going through the story. And uh, when she first sat down, she was like, oh, are these real actors? These aren't real actors. I think it was something about the lighting uh, that was like, made her think that it was just like the most high tech, super good looking render of a human face that you've ever, that has ever been done. And it took her a couple of minutes to convince herself that it was actual actors because I don't know, something about it uh, made her think that it was a, uh, like a high production value 3d game, which of course it's not, but anyway, I don't know what I meant to really get at there other than that. Like one of the looks big benefits good. here is that it looks good. It, it can but what I, potentially what I was getting look at really with good. The, um, Sorry. the adventure game kind of interaction is like I was saying, it's kind of at cross purposes because adventure games want you to slow down and think and solve puzzles, which is not something that really works well when you're like literally playing back a pre-recorded thing. You're not going to have that kind of time to sit and think. Uh, so what you're left with is the most mundane interactions of the adventure game genre, which is uh, clicking to walk around and opening doors and turning keys, um, which they, they, they kind of try to really hone in on that by having this, I guess, innovative in control scheme where you're, you know, if they every time they ask you to turn a key, you're you're making a semicircle with your thumb on your on your phone. Um, but that wears thin really fast, and especially when I mean, at least was my experience trying to you know flip open a lighter or turn a key. Um, you know, you try it the first time, and maybe you only turn the key three quarters of the way, and it just like turns itself back, and now you've got to swipe again. Uh, which that happened to me again and again in a just progressively frustrated, more and more frustrating ways. I think I agree. And we, I mean, if it's not already obvious, I think that um, Shane and I were both a little cool on this game. And um, uh, I think a big part of it was that like, I don't feel like the, uh, the every few moments interactions that were not like meaningful interactions really added anything to my experience versus just literally watching a film. You know, if you're watching a film, you don't usually have interruptions every few seconds to give you a tight close up on some tiny manual detail that a character is doing with their hands. Characters walk through doors and you usually don't even show the process of how they got that door open. And that's for good reason. That part is boring. Um, nobody cares. And so I, I don't really love the, uh, that, part of it, just as I don't really love that in something like a Telltale game, although in a Telltale game, it feels more natural to be there because it's not full motion video. I, it's not an interruption in something that's playing yeah, even out. Even in a Telltale game, you're not clicking to turn every doorknob. Well, I mean, some of their earlier ones, you actually do do kind of a lot of that kind of thing. Uh, they actually kind of, that stuff sort of fell away as things got, a, like as they got, went, a little, went along. But I remember that being one of my complaints about um, about some games like uh, uh, like The Walking Dead was at times it felt like you had to do a lot of that sort of like a manual little tiny interactions to do simple things that felt a little silly. Um, anyway, the other type of interaction in this though is the larger choice-based stuff. And there we're talking just about like making choices about the narrative. That's the promise of something like this, right? So the promise of a game like this is that this is going to be like a, like a good movie, but with many points within it where you can make choices about how the action is going to play out. And this game does accomplish that to a large degree. So for me, that stuff from a mechanics perspective actually works. 
Um, their way of presenting it was good, and the choices are mostly meaningful. So where it, where things really sort of fell down for me is that I didn't particularly enjoy the story, which is unfortunately going to have to be something I'm going to talk about in more detail after the spoiler break. Um, but we can talk for a minute just about sort of the mechanics of how it presents the sort of story choices and also how the, um, you know, how it, how it handles having consequential choices and branching. The basics of how it presents these choices is it's going to throw up these, it's going to give you a moment of pause where, you know, some character has asked Erica a question and now Erica sees, you know, you'll, you'll see a, a close up on Erica's face. And I have to take a moment right now and just say that this actress, at first I thought it was Amelia Clark. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of did too. She it's looks, not. Yeah. She looks similar to me, um, mainly in the fact that her and Amelia Clark both share these incredibly expressive, thick, bushy eyebrows. Oh um, yeah. I, if you're an eyebrow fan, this might be, this game might add a couple of points to this review score. Uh, that we're providing you. So, um, but yeah, you'll get this nice quick close up uh, in which she furrows those big bushy eyebrows and considers what she should say next. And you're then presented with, you're presented with things, uh, words around her head. And the words around her head will be things like, uh, maybe I agree. I disagree. Uh, And then of course you can also do nothing. And, you know, that's going to choose the next shot you see in which she'll give a, give a brief response. And then the, the story will kind of carry on. Um, I only got through this game, uh, you know, I didn't I think do a second playthrough. So um, I don't know how different everything gets. You could probably answer this a little bit more. Yeah, I can answer it a little bit. Um, so and I, I will also say that, like, in addition to sort of dialogue choices, which are a large part of this sort of choice. Sometimes it has quite consequential choices about like what scene will play out next. So a very early game example that I don't feel is spoilery is that uh, Erica is in a large creepy mansion type house building and she's alone. She's at a sort of a greeting or front route front desk. And um, there's a phone on the desk. And then off in the distance, a person walks by that looks really mysterious. And there's a moment where the phone also begins to ring. And you have to choose, is Erica going to chase after that strange looking person at the end of the hall or answer the phone that's ringing right next to her? And it's a fairly consequential choice. Um, I mean, the, things kind of branch and then and then re-merge you know, re, re uh, in terms of how the, the story plays out um, quite a bit, particularly at the beginning. It has a lot more heavy branching towards the end, but at the beginning, these sorts of things are little, little uh, you know, rivulets that flow off of the main river of the story and then back in. Um, but uh, they have consequences. And uh, so that is, that is uh, I think, uh, a success. It, it does give you the option to see different scenes play out depending on, you know, the choices that you make. And it starts letting you make those choices really early, uh, in the game. And, um, uh, I don't know. I think it's to its, to its credit. I I don't think it's like revolutionary or anything, but I think it does a pretty good job with those. Um, the, the, the dialogue choices felt a little less consequential, but you know, they're, they're still something to help keep you involved and help keep you, let you sort of characterize Erica the way that you want. Anytime I've played a game that has this kind of branching story, um, you know, choice-based narratives, um, I have always felt a little bit um, like it's easy to look behind the kind of magician's curtain, uh, so to speak. Like if you, if I think back to some of the first things I've seen like this, which would be the books of choose your own adventure stories. Um, once you actually started flipping through and reading those and look, trying to, you'd see pretty quickly that, you know, they would pepper in a few choices that would kill you. Uh, they would pepper in um, a couple of choices, usually at the end of the story that would lead to different endings. Uh, but for the most part, what you're, what you're picking is like which hallway you walk down on the way to the big choice that matters. And, I mean, it's really hard to imagine designing a narrative structure that doesn't totally work this way. So, I mean, we have played games like, um, 
I guess that are more quality based than kind of choice based or kind of attribute based. Uh, 80 days comes to mind where you can have these like wildly different experiences based on, you know, incredibly consequential, very early choices and then see essentially nothing of the same of the same story. But for something in FMV, it really doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work. Yeah, every choice you add is going to add a whole bunch of days of additional shooting where you've got to hire, yeah. uh, you know, all the actors and a cameraman and all that stuff, you know, and um, so expensive. It's not it's not a cheap thing to add additional content that no one sees. Yeah, so uh, I think we are going to have a, a, a discussion of the game post spoiler break, and that's where I think I can talk a little bit about my uh, my feelings on the story. Um a totally spoiler-free reaction here. Uh, I think the the game um, has a story that I think the story of the game was, left me a little cold, and this might be personal taste because I, so the the pitch that I originally heard on this story, which had me interested in the story, was, and I don't think this is too much of a spoiler because it's in the first couple of scenes, that this is a game about a, a girl whose father was killed under mysterious circumstances. Uh, and when she was young, she saw the event happen. A few years later, uh, with his mystery never having been solved, she receives a package in the mail and it has a severed hand in it. And this begins a, mis- a mystery of like, you know, who is this killer and what is uh, what is going on with, you know, with that? Whose hand was this, et cetera? And so my thought initially was this sounds like it's going to be a cool police thriller drama, right? Uh, but that's not really the story that this game was interested in telling. This game was a... Um, uh, the, the game almost immediately takes you to a, a mental institution, um, and a large part of the story is concerned with Erica's mental state. Uh, you know how much of the weird stuff that's going on is or isn't real, um, and uh, you know it, it is. It, there's a there's there's a lot of sort of um, occultish stuff going on in it. And it became a story that I wasn't particularly interested in. Now, maybe that's a taste issue because I find that, yeah. for example, stories set in mental institutions and stories in which all of the all of the you know the, the central mystery of the story is is the main character, my POV character, sane. I don't find those very interesting. Um, However, if you are a big fan of psychological thrillers, maybe your favorite movie is Shutter Island. Um, yeah, this might be something that's more for you than and and in that case, you know, maybe dive it, dive in and write into us and let us know what you think. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious to hear what I, and I, I this game has gotten a really mixed reviews. Some of them are very positive and some of them are, are more cool on it like I am. And I, I'm not totally surprised by that. I think some folks are probably just more bought into the story. And because this is such a narrative, you know, movie like experience, it's like. It's like any kind of movie, you know, there, it might it might be for you and it might not. Um, another thing, though, that I will say before we hit the spoiler break is about replays. Um, this game is designed for replays. When you first boot it up, the very first screen you see says something to the effect of no one uh, path reveals all of the mystery or something like that. And so this game is designed for you to play it multiple times uh, in order to see aspects of the story that might be hidden during various different playthroughs. And there's some But will big... you really want to? Yeah, so that's the thing. Um, games that are designed around that kind of um, replay uh, or rewatch or what have you to, to explore other paths, um, the, the ones that I, I think of most with that is things like visual novels. And there's a sort of a table stakes in visual novels where, you know, if you've done that, you have a fast forward function where you can, or maybe you know, some multiple save slots. Yes, or save slots, or other things where you can play through the story and skip over uh, material that you've already seen or read. Right, and this game doesn't have anything like that. Um, and it's really quite a while. I mean, it's not a very long game, but it's a, a it's a roughly movie length experience, and the really consequential choices happen mostly in the third act. 
So if you're going to play through this game multiple times in order to see everything that it has to offer and to reveal every detail of the mystery, if this really hooks you in that way, um, you're going to see a lot of that early game stuff multiple times. There are some choices, so you can take slightly different paths. So for example, there's there's a sort of an early mid-game choice where you have three choices about where to go during the day uh, on one of Erica's days at this sort of mental institution. And you can interact with three different characters and they're very different paths. Um, but then of course that converges again and it can feel a bit like I've just got to watch this movie again to see a different ending. I know what I want to choose in act three to try something different. Um, but I've got to go all the way through it again. And that's really, that I found that really frustrating um, and kind of ended up not finishing my second playthrough, even though I had some questions that were left unanswered. So that's the stuff that I'd say about it. I want to talk spoilers here um, because I think it's, uh, that some of the issues I had with it are things that I can only discuss with, with a, you know, behind. Well, Reagan, you are the host. It is up to you to toot the spoiler flute. Uh, well, okay. Before we do the spoiler horn. Toot, toot. Or, yeah. No tooting, Shane. Uh, we've got to talk real quick about our Patreon. Uh, uh, Lister, did you know that the short game is supported entirely by listeners like you on Patreon? You can go to www.theshortgame.net or you can go to patreon.com slash the short game. And uh, you can support our show. And even a dollar a month uh, will, first of all, help us out quite a bit. We really appreciate the additional uh, you know, support. Um, and it will get you access to our Discord, which is where we chat about the games that we're playing. That's where we plan the show. Uh, that is where we uh, talk about total nonsense, like uh, Fire Emblem or Crab. We're doing a Crab Week episode, by the way. It's coming up. Uh, or all sorts of other total nonsense. Uh, so if you are interested in chatting with like-minded listeners and getting in on the planning side of the short game, uh, come join us. Uh, Patreon.com slash the short game is where to go. Uh, you can also find our show on the internet, www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a contact form. That's a great way to let us know about uh, things you think about the show or games that you think we should be covering, that sort of thing. We love to hear from you there. Or you can find us on Twitter at underscore short game. And you can find me also on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Shane, where can people find you? I'm over on Twitter at 8BitShane. Yeah. And uh, Laura and Nate will be back next week uh, once things have quieted down. Uh, so uh, hopefully we'll be getting back to a more normal uh, format soon. Thank you for sticking with us for this episode. Uh, and here it is, your spoiler break. Toot toot. So yeah, what do we actually think about the the mystery here? Like, how inter how interested or invested were you in in the story, uh, and and what what did you what did you what did you make of it? Um, I I wasn't super into it, uh, but I kind of I mean I I thought the cast was good. Like you know, like I said, I thought the the lead actress was they picked someone who is going to be. I'm not going to have like, it's not going to irritate me while she's on screen, you know, while she's doing a lot of eyebrow acting. Mm -hmm. um, the story is really dreamy. If that makes sense. It's very like, um, it just sort of floats along. Um, it's, it's easy to feel like you're, you know, from one moment to the next, Oh, now she's home and now she's opening up a, a package with a hand in it. Uh, now there's a, a police officer there. Now we're seeing some of her art. Uh, now we're hearing a story from her father. Now we're hearing, uh, you know, hearing about this, these series of murders and it just sort of float floats and flows along in a, in a kind of dreamy way. Um, I think that's actually kind of an interesting style uh, for it to take. Um, but it also kind of, never really has you settle into like the reality of the moment. And to me kind of messes with some of the shock that they could maybe go for. Like, like when you get to that first initial moment of like, Oh, there's a hand in this box. It was like, is this real? I was already at the point of like, what is going on? Where is this? What is real here? And so like even that, which, you know, seemed pretty real didn't really like have the weight that I guess it could have. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I was expecting more of like a horror and I guess police 
story than what we ended up getting here. Um, it, 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 there, first of all, there were a lot of things about it that I just thought were like bad plotting that felt like the kind of thing you get on a television show where they don't really have the budget to have a large cast where they might potentially actually need one. So like weird stuff like, hmm, uh, this uh, this killer is killing people associated with this asylum. The safest place for you will be at the asylum. And I, sure. the only police officer in town, will protect you. We'll protect you by wandering around the asylum in other places that you're not. Yes. Yeah, we'll completely disappear from most go of the story. investigate this dark asylum. Yeah. And, like, also the asylum, which is a massive place and has apparently three patients. Um, yes. Very understaffed as well. Yeah. Like, it, it's just an extraordinarily, like, it... it Something about that made it feel cheap to me. Like, there's ways to tell a story that's like a, a more restrained story designed for a small cast. This did not feel like a story designed for the size of cast that it had. Um, and also just the pace of it, I thought, was just wrong. I mean, the dreamy sort of nature of it that you mentioned was While we're talking about things that felt cheap, um, there were – it's painfully obvious what was shot on location and what was shot on a sound stage. Like they'll move from, they'll move from the asylum into one of the offices of the asylum. And like this office is like, Oh, this is a, this is the sound stagiest place I've ever seen. Like there's one big wall that's painted a weird light bluish greenish color and like, how do we decorate an office in a, a in an asylum? Oh, uh, well, let's put one bust of some unrecognizable <laughs> Greek guy. Yeah, and like one on a like pillar, too small bookshelf <laughs> on a tiny bookshelf on a gigantic wall, and maybe a little potted plant uh, over here as well. Yeah, that's it. That gives us a nice two level effect. All right. Well. So that's that's where I We're was talking done. about this feeling like a British television show. British television shows, uh, they're all this cheap. Um, so <laughs> it just it looks like a it looks like a episode of Doctor Who or something, but like the really boring bits before you get to any of the sci-fi. Uh, it, it's yeah, I don't know. It's that kind of thing, and so it wasn't really winning me over from that perspective. And then really the the thing that that really bothered me about it was that the farther in that you get, the more um, you know, dreamy and is she crazy or is she not the the story gets and just nothing about it really worked for me. I, this is probably more of a, a matter of taste thing, but just like I, I wouldn't watch a movie that was like if you cut the best bits of this together and even just cut out all of the weird like interaction stuff and just presented it as a as a film, I, I wouldn't watch this film. Uh, I, I just don't think it's a particularly interesting story. Um, you're right that like they they managed to get, I think, a really really good central actor. the The lead character, the lead lead actor who plays Erica, is just great. Um, she's really expressive, um, but like she only carried me about halfway through, and then I really started seeing the seams, you know, and. I just found the story confusing and like not particularly interesting. Like when this, uh, when the character who is the, now this is based on my one, the one complete playthrough I bailed out of my second playthrough. Um, the, the character who killed Erica's father is sort of unmasked and it's very unclear exactly what her goals are and if she's crazy, but like, okay, is she or isn't she crazy is like a mystery, but like it doesn't really solve the mystery of like, well, what actually happened? I don't know. It, it it just, I'm sure there's details in some of these further playthroughs that would like clear up some of the mystery to me, but some of the mystery just sort of felt like, oh, like now these characters are doing things for reasons I don't understand. And that just lost me. Like I really, I just, I didn't understand what that woman, the the person who killed the, the Erica's father, what her motivations were exactly. And I just, I don't know. There was a lot about this that felt really kind of slapdash to me in terms of story. Um, We've all had the experience of watching a movie like that we really loved and watching it multiple times and seeing something new in it every time. And that's an experience that if you could recreate it in a game, I, I, I could see a lot of value in it. Um, but this game kind of felt like they were trying to set it up 
and explicitly tell you up front like, oh yeah, this is gonna be that. This is gonna be that 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 thing where you like you watch it again and again, and of course you're gonna you're literally gonna see different things in it every time, and you know you're gonna learn more and know more about the story. But like for that to for that to work, you've gotta you've gotta have real payoff on round one and really pull people along. Yeah, yeah, like you've gotta, you can't have the first playthrough just be full of gaping plot holes and confusing lack of motivation and like, you, you can't hide all of that stuff. Oh, well you didn't turn you. the right key or walk down the right hallway to fill I in guess. that plot hole. I guess, yeah, and it just, it, it was, I found it confusing, unsatisfying. I thought the ending wasn't much of a payoff, you know. Um, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the the story of what what came through in the playthrough that I had. Um, so you know you're you're trying to you're you know wandering around this uh, completely unprotected, wandering around this uh, this madhouse uh, and uh, meeting the various characters and uh, and trying to figure out who it is that mailed you this hand. Well, it turns out, of course, it is the lady that killed your father, and um, it's all related to her mother in some way. And uh, and a cult. So her father apparently. Now this is something that I, I suppose there's the possibility that this is all in Erica's head, and I actually don't know. Uh, that's sort of one of the mysteries of the game. But um, that that uh, that Erica is uh, that the the woman who killed uh, Erica's father is trying to get revenge on him for uh, killing other girls at this asylum that he ran. And the the killings were about trying to uh, do some sort of pagan ritual that involved seeing the future. Um, so he was part of some sort of cult and he ran this asylum kind of as a cover to get access to um, special women who it refers to as butterflies who have the ability to look into flames and see the future in a very druidic kind of way. And so he's, uh, he, and this requires some sort of human sacrifice. And so he's doing that. And, uh, then of course in my playthrough, Erica, um, you know, rejects, um, I don't know. I basically, every time somebody had the option to like go with them or say, no, I, I chose the no option. And so, um, um, in my playthrough, this resulted in Erica sort of fleeing the the mansion and burning it to the ground and saving the girls that uh, that that were being abused there. Um, that's pretty much the story from what I got. But like, I I didn't really feel very satisfied. The 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 murderer um, had incredibly unclear motivations to me and was a confusing character from 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 jump. Um, and I didn't think the ending was particularly satisfying. You know, she sort of shoots her way out and burns the place down and that's it. It's done. And no, uh, you know, the, the mystery of the cult was never really unraveled and her mother was still a very mysterious figure that I didn't really understand exactly how she played into all of this. And I'm sure if I played through this game several more times, I would be able to unravel more of this, these details, but I kind of don't care to, I just sort of found the whole thing kind of a yawn. Um, so that's sort of where I came down on it. Um, it's not super great as a game and it's not super great as a movie. Um, and those two things didn't do a whole lot to reinforce each other. So, um, you know, FMV games are back, baby. FMV game. You know what? I'm I'm ready for that night trap too. Bring it on. I want to I want to save some coeds from those vampires. <laughs> you know, honestly, I think I would rather play night trap than this. Like night trap is a silly weird thing and it's kind of too hard if I remember correctly, but like it's also know. I mean fun. I'm I'm a little afraid to replay it cuz I'm pretty sure that night trap is canceled now, but uh probably, probably. Yeah. Yeah, maybe okay, I'll I'll stick to double switch. Yeah, let's go with double switch, Debbie Harry. Um Corey Haim. Debbie Harry. She's grandfathered in. Yeah. R.I.P. Corey Haim. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, um, so, uh, listeners, thank you for sticking with us past the spoiler break. If you thought otherwise about this game, like if you, you know, if you played this and really dug it, like, let me know. I'm, I'm really curious to chat with some folks because I'm frankly pretty confused by some of the, the like fairly glowing reviews. Like I looked at Polygon's review and uh, wow, they really liked it. And I, I am less and less impressed these days with uh, the review staff at Polygon's opinions on things. I, I used to, I used to find them to be very much simpatico with my own thoughts on games, but 
this is an example of uh, of kind of the latter day situation I mean, over there where they seem to be really enthusiastic about stuff that just doesn't ring true for me. I mean, that's just like that's just how reviews are. You know, you have to go with the actual specific reviewers. You know, an outlet like Polygon doesn't have opinions; people do, and so that's yeah, that's yeah. a thing. So I I don't think there's anything to necessarily be said about Polygon as an outlet because of that. It's just you know this particular game. What I don't get it. I don't get. I mean, yeah. and I feel like maybe this like PlayStation made an arrangement to to like publish this game and then just sort of pushed it out as a surprise release without any marketing or press really outside of just it being part of their Gamescom presentation. And I kind of have to feel like maybe somebody decided that this really didn't need their full weight behind it, that they were kind of shoving it out to go and die because it's just, I don't think it's anything particularly special. Um, Oh, you know, I, I I was excited to play it and uh, found it to be a bit of a disappointment, and I guess that's okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, pr- they put it out at a pretty good price. I can't complain about that's that. That's true. Can't complain there. It's $10 uh, on the PSN. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to see more games try this, but I'd like to see them try it differently for sure. Um, I, I, th- I think, you know, maybe they need to rethink the... Uh, little like you know like lock and key and drawer and and yeah so on interactions and i'd also love to see them sort of rethink like here's our box quote for it uh we want this but good yeah yeah that's actually exactly it like i i personally think that if you were going to try this approach again um i would rather put most of this most of the consequential choices near the end um i think that Putting the, the the they felt I think they needed to put a bunch of consequential choices up at the front, but they aren't really able to actually carry that through, um, and that meant that there was stuff that I felt like I was missing or otherwise couldn't couldn't really kind of get a get a grip on, and uh, and then for God's sake let me skip right to the consequential choices, like let me watch the movie make some choices and then let me rewind and and make those choices again, um, because I am definitely not sitting through two hours of this game again having to uh do swipes every second that i'm i'm watching this movie uh so i you know definitely can't for example do something else on my phone <laughs> while i'm re-watching scenes i watched literally two hours ago um uh, but there's no fast forward and there's no way to skip to the consequential choices and, and try a different path. And that drove me nuts. So like, that's probably the biggest thing. Like if, if this game had given me more of an option to just try things without being kind of punished by watching this whole sequence of stuff again, then I probably would have done more of it. But yeah, that's... I think one of the biggest lessons I've taken from playing what was, what I think now is my favorite um, FMV game um, in our last episode uh, in in playing Telling Lies and this which is um, well I'll just say not my favorite FMV game is that the thing that I want from FMV games is I want to be able to fast forward <laughs> that's, about, that's just it yeah yeah yeah, I think that that alone would have made this game uh, more replayable for me and would have probably at the very least let me uh, stick it out for uh, for at least one or two more endings. And I know there's stuff in those other endings that I think I might find interesting. So anyway, uh, again, thank you listeners for sticking it out with us. Uh, and we'll be back with a more traditional format for the show next week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you know where all the places are. You can find us on Patreon, you can find us on Discord, and you can find us on Twitter and elsewhere on the internet. Uh, Thank you so much once again for listening to The Short Game.